Amen, amen, amen. Can we give God another hand praise in light of this would happen? Uh, God is so gracious and he's mighty to save. And uh, yeah, that, that is a, I, I never will ever get used to the saving power of the gospel. And uh, we, we, that's why you have to open up your mouth and share Christ with your neighbors. Don't, build, don't talk about you building a relationship for 10 years. Because that's called, I'm scared, you know. Uh, and, and, I, and, and that's called, I am ashamed of the gospel. Share the gospel with someone. Don't ever let how sinful and far away from Christ they are impede upon you thinking that the gospel is not powerful enough to save them. God's arm is not too short. I'm just telling you right now. He saved you, didn't he? <laughs> he saved you, didn't he? Um, at the first gathering, it was, first gathering was crazy. We had men pop up all over the sanctuary, and it was just crazy to see God save men. And, and I'm excited. I'm not, now, now, don't, now, don't come to send me emails. But what about when women pop up? You know, I'm, that's, y'all, come help me, God. Um, I, I'm not saying a, a, a man's soul is better than a woman's. It's just that usually churches are filled with women. And so every now and then when you see somebody that should not have met Christ, which is all of us really, but you know in our minds we got categories of who's farther than the closer ones that's closer to the kingdom when all of us are just as far as the next person, right? And, uh, and when God brings them in, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And so uh, our goal here is when you lead somebody to Christ, you baptize them. Baptism is not, we, we don't believe here that we, you don't have to be a minister or elder or deacon to baptize someone. The Bible never really says that. Uh, actually, it, it actually told all of us to baptize them, but we baptize them in accord, accordance with the church. So uh, let's lead some people to Jesus. So every, everybody in here that's a believer should get wet, not just being baptized, but baptizing someone else at least 20 times in their lifetime. <laughs> Y'all thought I was going to say one, didn't you? Uh, but um, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I'm thankful that he's mighty to save. I also want to keep uh, uh, a few people lifted up in prayer. Uh, first, I want to keep lifted up Kim Russell. Uh, Kim Russell's mom passed Friday, so we want to keep her lifted up. We want to come around her, and uh, we also want to come around our brother Nicholas. His sister died the other day of the same uh, disorder his mom did a few years ago, and so come around this young brother. He's in the neighborhood. God has saved him here at the church. He's another guy that got saved here, and God is discipling him here. He goes to life groups. God is in his life, so let's come around him. Amen, somebody. Amen. Let's come around him, make sure we love on him and his family. And uh, he, and, he and Kim, when Kim uh, gets back, I think from Tennessee, right, Pastor Larry? Is it Tennessee? It is Tennessee, yeah. And when she gets back from Tennessee, let's make sure that our life groups in our church body come around him. Let, let's make sure that when people go through difficulties and tragedies around here, that we're around them, loving on them. That's what the church is all about, all right? Well, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet and uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I will, uh, I will begin, and you can keep going. I'll start with you in verse 1, and we'll keep going. When you get there, say amen. 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 Here we go. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes.
Amen, amen, amen. I want you to look at the person on your right, and I want you to say to them, it's time to grow up. I want you to look on the other side of you, and I want you to tell the person on the other side of you, say, it's time to grow up. Yeah, that's, 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 the, name, that's the name of our series, our entire series for the book of Curse, First Corinthians. I said Curse Corinthians. First Corinthians uh, is going to be, it's time to grow up. How many of you know you need to grow up? I don't care where you are in your life. Let me tell you something. You need to grow up. And you're not mature in every area of your life. And matter of fact, some areas where you think you're mature, you're not as mature. And you need to just tell yourself, it's time to grow up. Amen, amen, amen. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Bless you for the opportunity to go through your word and walk through the word of God and to be ministered to line by line, precept upon precept out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Lord God, even though these books are thousands of years old. It is interesting how generation to generation, the issues are the same. And so what's beautiful about that, though, is, and greater than that, is that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and you supersede those things. So God, send the power that makes preaching easy, and send the power that opens up the blind's eyes, and uh, uh, it gives sight to the blind that renews and, and removes hardened hearts and opens them up to you and dead souls connected to you. Bring that power that makes preaching easy. Now, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, we're starting in our series on 1 Corinthians and we're going to, I don't know how long it's going to take us to go through this book, uh, but we're going to take our time. It's not going to be 10 years. I'm not going to do a Montgomery Boyce. Uh, Boyce did 10 years, what, in the book of Romans. Uh, we, we probably won't do that long, but we, we want to be in here for quite some time and, and, and work through and talk through and, and kind of, uh, um, by God's grace, really begin to know what it means to grow up. Um, Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church was an interesting church, but I want to give you some backdrop. This is going to be an introductory sermon, and, 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 so, and so I want, uh, uh, it's going to be some preachiness to it, but it's going to be extremely informational, because what I want to do is I want to give you a backdrop and a foundation for what we're going to go through from chapter 1 through all the way through chapter 16. Uh, here in 1 Corinthians, it's interesting that Corinth, uh, they came to Christ in Acts chapter 18, and so when Paul was finished with his work in Athens, he met some people. He met uh, Aquila and Priscilla, and, and, and they began doing work in uh, uh, Corinth and leading scores and scores of people to Christ. And because people were led to Jesus Christ, what happened is a church needed to come exi in existence. And, 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 and so because of that, we have today this book. <coughs> now, what's unique about the Corinthian, the Corinthian city is it was a Greek city that was under Roman rule. But, but, but it was one of the, it was an interesting city because it was a port city. Not only was it a port city, it was an urban, con it was extremely urban there. Um, but they had a lot of issues we got. They had crime, they had, they had prostitution, uh, they, it, it, they had all different types of issues there. But one of the unique things about Corinth <coughs> is that Corinth was a ritzy kind of connoisseur type city. You know what I'm saying? <coughs> Let me see how I make it. It's it one of them cities where it's like, foodie spots in there, diners, drive-ins, and dives, would have probably went there and put some food there on display there, good eats and all of that, would have went there. It was, it was one of those foodie cities. It was a fashion city. People were flying that city. If we could transport their idea of today there, they would have drove Bentleys. They would have drove Benzos. They would have, you know what I'm saying, they would have customized their cars. They would have had bucket seats all with the name in the back or the name of some fly brand like MCM. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Or something in their seats, but but, but, but Corinth was a really, really fly and kind of highfalutin city. It was kind of like me, you know, going from Philly to Dallas was weird to me. I mean, we're going from East Coast, rather, <coughs> of D and I was in D.C. to Dallas because, you know, when I'm, I'm used to cars, you know, tenant windows, you know, got to have a 96 something or 1989 something. When I went to Dallas, you know, it was, j I, you know, everywhere you look, there's something nice. You know what I'm saying? And there wasn't no trash on the ground. It was just a nice place. It's weird when I leave Philly and go other places, it just seems nicer than our city. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, dang, you know, I'm just glad to be here. There's no trash on the ground. But, 
but but I mean I mean but 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 it was it was like this fly really really fly place. But they they liked wisdom. They liked information. They 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 were they were artistic. You know what I'm saying? So you go out on the streets. They would have ciphers on the streets. Like you know back I don't want to do ciphers no more. Battle raps on the street. But they had battle wisdom dudes, right? Dude would come up and drop his podium, and he'd be there, and he'd kick his wisdom in the cipher. You know what I'm saying? They, but, they, but they had on, like, linen outfits and sandals. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and and they going back and forth, and he'd drop his, and the crowd would be like, ooh, can you get him? You know what I'm saying? Then other money would do it, and it was ladies would do the same thing. It was just that type of thing. So they, like, they had high foodie palate. They had a lot of loot, um, uh, uh, um, and they were artsy, and they liked unique information. And, 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 and they liked it like that. So, so but, but what happens is, is when, when Corinth gets planted, when God starts the church through Paul and, and his team, uh, the Corinthians get saved. But, but what's interesting is when they, when, they, when they trust Christ as Savior and God accepts them, not them accept him, but he accepts them, what's interesting is, is that all of that highfalutinness made its way into the practices of the church. So all the way through the book, you'll see their cultural sociological makeup and their moralistic viewpoint making its way into the Christian worldview. And, 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 so, and so we come here to a book where Paul is calling them to grow up. Somebody say grow up. grow up. He's calling them to grow up because in so many areas of their lives, they have a substandard way of thinking that is based on where they come from, not from who saved them. And because they have a substandard way of thinking, Paul is really sort of rediscipling them, if you will, into his way of, into God's, into Christ's way of thinking and Christ's way of doing things, which is a, a beautiful a portrait of this book. So, 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 so what, what we're going to see in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 1 is really introduction, but all of the issues that he's going to deal with in the book, he kind of alley-oops them in, in chapter 1. Now, what he begins to do and what he wants to do is he does what I used to get when I, when I was in grad school and undergrad, the first week of school. We didn't do no work the first week of school. What would happen is we would get this thick sheet of paper, papers, stapled together, plat out on our desk. Now, I know some of y'all can download y'all before we get it, but we used to get it right. Th- that We didn't get it before then so we could prepare and all of that. You got it that day, and we called it syllabus shop. When you got syllabus shock, for those who, who have been on, on, on the post-high uh, uh, school level, what happens is, is you get syllabus shock, and you're like, oh, my God. I mean, your head hurting, and you're like, I got to deal with all. So you, you really, that whole week, you're dealing with all you got to do to deal with what you got to do for the rest of the year and the semester. And so chapter one is syllabus shock for the people of God. God is going to syllabus shock them and kind of give them a layout of what's needed for them to grow. So why are we going through this? I want to read this by way of introduction, so that we can get some clarity on why we're going through 1 Corinthians in light of it being it's time to grow up. Number one, after being in existence for seven years and being known um, to those who venture here to Epiphany Fellowship as the Young People's Church, uh, which is interesting, with that in mind, as we have grown in many ways, we are in still need of maturity and development. As a transient church in the inner city, we will need to maximize our disciple-making potential. Let me say that again. We will need to maximize our disciple-making potential. What transient means, what does transient mean? Transient means is a lot of the people that come somewhere aren't there for a long time. So everyone from people who live in the neighborhood who say, I don't want to live around here forever. Then we got other people that, you know, college students that come in. Then we got young professional singles and, and families that come in. And, and, and they say, we want to get a solid church. And so they plug in, and, and then all of a sudden they get hived off. And we can either get frustrated with that or we can leverage it. And, 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 and as we think about leveraging that, we need to make the most of dumping into the souls of people the nutrients of the kingdom so that as they go out into the world, they are better because of their contact with Epiphany Fellowship after than they were before. Are you trekking with me? And so that means our bandwidth as it relates to spiritual growth, has to grow. And so that means here, if you're going to be here, we, we're going to admit that we got issues and that we need God's help. Yeah. Now, and, and now, now, now if, you, if you're here under my voice and you say you ain't got no issues, the Bible says that you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. And so that means that all of us are a mess in process. I wish I had some help right there. And so, but, and so because of that, but because of that, though, we don't live in our mess, though. 
What's good about being in Christ is we get to deal with our mess and grow out of our mess so that we're less messy. Even though we'll have mess tomorrow, we don't have as much mess as the clutter that we had yesterday. And so that means we're growing from glory to glory. And so we need to increase our bandwidth in that, in relation to whether it's church planning, whether it's doing foreign missions. We want to be a more effective group of people for the glory of Christ. And ultimately, we are a pipeline, not a puddle. Are you hearing me? God has called us to be a pipeline, a conduit versus a puddle that just sits to soak and receive and receive and then stuff dries up and then we got to receive and receive over and over again. No, a pipeline is something that's always receiving but always giving. See, a puddle always receives but it doesn't give anything. And so we want to be there. But in order to be all that Christ wants us to be for his glory, not just for your individualistic purpose. Ah, Because most destiny sermons are about your destiny versus our purpose. I wish I had some help. And so, and so here, as we dive into 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 9, we're going to dive into this beautiful introduction to what it means to grow up, number one. If you're going to grow up, number one, Paul calls them to this. He says, we are called to be a distinct community. We are called to be a distinct. Somebody say distinct. Distinct community. Look at what Paul says. Paul, I'm going to park on some stuff, so... Just, just stay with me. This is, this is foundational stuff. Uh, it says, Paul, called by the will of God. I like that. The old folk used to say, uh, some people went and some people were sent. And uh, Paul said, I, w- I didn't went. I was sent. All right? And so he said, I'm called by the will of God to be an apostle. Now, let's look at this word apostle just real quick. He's not the guy that comes to a place and, or, 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 or gal that comes to a place and preaches and receives an offering and collects an offering for the pastor or for the church like we do today. See, Apostle here was a dude that got in trouble a lot. He got his behind handed to him because he was sharing Jesus Christ with people all the time and nobody liked him much. And, 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 and Apostles back here in this day was a little more grimy. As a matter of fact, we're going to see well, some references in 2 Corinthians. But this, this Apostle ain't like our Apostle. This is an Apostle that's concerned about the flock, not just his pocketbook. Help me, God, today. Help me, God, today. And, 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 and so even though Paul raised money, everything in his ministry wasn't about money. And so this is, and so even though we do have some apostles, gift-wise, not office, little A apostle, not big A apostle. I'll talk about that as we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But here I just want you to recognize that, that he says, I'm calling apostle to be, uh, based on the will of God, he saw the resurrected Jesus. That means he's one of the original apostles that was appointed to build the foundation of the church. Are you tracking with me? I just want to give you some stuff so you can have some framework because we don't want dumb Christians here. Amen, somebody. All right. And so and so and so and so and so he says to and to our brother Sosthenes and Sosthenes was probably the stenographer for the book. And so that means he probably wrote as Paul dictated under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul was probably so frustrated with the Corinthians. He couldn't even write. He said, I need Sosthenes. Come here, man. I need you to write for me, man. I'm I'm hot right now. You'll hear his hotness all through the letter. He is ticked off to the highest level of festivity. He's mad. And so. And so we go here and we see that and we say, and he said, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Let's stop here. I I, I want us to lay out a few things because as we look at this, I don't want to assume you know what a church is. You know, because many times people say, I'm going to, there is the. Okay, so so, so what we want to do is we want to help our framework for what a church is. When my, when my four-year-old, we passed a building in Philly, we got a lot of beautiful edifices uh, that are 60-plus uh, years old, beautiful, beautiful gray stone building. Every time he said, Daddy, they go to church right there, Daddy. Daddy, they go to church right there. Daddy, I don't, I don't want to go in that church right there, Daddy. It's spooky, Daddy. I don't want to go in that, Daddy. Because some of them look gothic in the mug, and my son gets freaked out. But he's calling that facility a church. But if we know anything biblically, about what a church is. A church isn't a facility, it's a people. Wish I had some help right there. And, 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 and now, the, the, the other thing that you'll see about church, and I'll break down the, the Greek terminology here, but, <coughs> but, but it's interesting. <coughs> the other thing about church here is it's not singular to us individually. It's us together. Did you hear that? 
So he says the church of God that's in Corinth. So he's pointing and using ecclesia here to talk about local church, not merely universal church, but the church never in the New Testament refers to individual person. Never. He'll call us a temple, but he'll never call us the church. We are the church. You are not the church. Hold on, let me say that again. Did you hear what I said? Because, in, because the word church means assembled ones, plural. So you by yourself can't be the church. Put your ass some help. Because, see, many of us in our individualized Christianity, when we get mad at the church, guess what the first thing we say? I'm the church. I, I can do my own time with God. I don't need them old crazy people getting on my nerves, all that kind of current on and everything. You know what I'm saying? I can do me. I can do. How are you going to do you when you didn't save you? And matter of fact, you've been doing you for a long time, and you ain't been working. One more person tell me they're going to do them. I'm going to, oh, God, help me. Greg, I, ain't gonna, I don't know what I'm going to say, Greg, but I, 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 I'm just saying, I, I, I'm sick of people telling me they're going to do them. Listen, you, how, listen, you, when you become a believer, you're connected to God and his people. It's impossible to call yourself a part of the church if you're only connected to God but not his people. People say, well, I don't believe, I don't believe in that. You know, I can just go where I want to because the body can. What, li listen, if you were in Corinth and you went over to Ephesus without them knowing it, they'd have jammed your butt up and sent you back to Corinth. In other words, there was, and I like the old school church. If you talking about you was going to join and you came on Christian experience, you had to come with a letter. I, I, I cut for that, man. Listen, that means, are they under spirit? Are they under discipline? Because you ain't coming over here with no mess up in here. You need to go submit to that spiritual authority and take your butt back to where you came from. We love you. We're going to get your sandwich and some water, and you're going to go back. But you, you can't come here until you deal with your issues there. Wish I had some help right there. And so, and so, and so the church, the church is, the church are those who are connected to God and one another. That's extremely important for us to know. And, and, it's, and you can't separate the two. Because Jesus says, I am the door to the sheepfold. What's the sheepfold? The church. If he's the door, soon as you trust Christ, you are in the church positionally, but you have to be in it functionally. And, 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 so, and, so, and so he says to the church, now, so what's my definition of church after all of that? All right. Church, church, church. Boy, I got it right here. There it is. Told you I'm introducing today. Assemble ones. It means the church is an assembly, an assembly of blood baptized, believing people. You got that? It's an assembly of blood baptized, believing people, renewed by the Holy Ghost. Through repentance and faith. You can go through covenant community and not be a member of the body of Christ. What makes you a part of the church is repentance and belief. That's why Jesus preached repent and believe in the gospel. That was his first sermon. All right. That was a great first sermon. Right. And so repentance and belief in Jesus Christ. What? Finished work. Not on some esoteric something. Not on works. Not on baptism. We love baptism, but it doesn't save. It's an expression of salvation. I got to teach this because I want us to really understand this. Are you trekking with me today? Okay. Uh, okay, this is what makes someone a church. Uh, 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 um, uh, finished work on the cross. That means he literally died. And his resurrection from the grave, thereby the Spirit places us or places them in the redeemed community as members. That's the church. And so when he talks about the, the, uh, to the church that is at Corinth, he's pointing them down and talking about their distinctiveness as the church. And I like the fact that it said church of God. I like that. Because th there were different types of assemblies back then. Um, there were all different types of assemblies. Whenever a mob got together, they would go to the, the magistrate and they would say, uh, there's an, there is an ecclesia out here. And, and, and so, so, so the word ecclesia wasn't really a special word. It wasn't made into a special word until um, uh, Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus says, upon this rock I will build 
my ecclesia. In other words, Christ, there are a lot of gatherings, there are a lot of assemblies out there, but there's only one that I'll put my name on. And the one that I'm going to put my name on is the one that I died for. And the one that I died for is my ecclesia, my assembled ones. Church literally means people who have a common desire to get together with a singular purpose in mind. That means that we can't come here with our own agendas. Wish I had time. We can't come here with our wish list of what the church should be for us. Help me, God. I've only had one time in Discover Epiphany where someone said, what can we do for y'all? What can we do? I, I, I want to be able to come here and we add to it. Most people in Discover Epiphany, okay, do y'all have this? Do y'all do mission? Do y'all do evangelism? What do y'all have for people with children? What do you have with, for singles? What do you have for women? What do you have for men? What do you have? 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 What do you have for me? And, am I, and I'm literally in there bleeding. Now, I don't mind people asking what we offer, just as long as you're willing to give your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. So don't come to the church with your hand out all the time because you weren't saved to just receive. That's why Jesus said it is more blessed to than to That's what I'm saying, family. The church is supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? So, so, so as we build this theological foundation for what we're supposed to be for him, <laughs> don't just go as a consumer. What can you offer me? What, 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 what can you offer to God's church? Come on, family of God. Oh, God, I wish I had time to just spend a whole sermon on that. But it's too much we got to get through today. The church of God at, that is in Corinth. So, um, so, so it's talking about a specific church. But then he says, I like the way Paul says next. He says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. <laughs> now, 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 what's interesting here is he begins using uh, the, the term uh, uh, hagiasmos, which is a beautiful term that points to a, 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 a sense of holiness or a sense of being set aside for a unique purpose. So when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, when, his, when, when the Spirit of God brought you into a relationship with God through Christ by repentance and faith in Christ, you were positionally imputed with Christ's righteousness, with Christ's holiness, and loved as you're ever going to be loved, you're, God is not going to love you more. God loves you as much as he's ever going to love you, and it, ch it never changed before you were saved, and it doesn't increase after you're saved. His love is everlasting, therefore his love is always there. So being sanctified means that God has an assignment, not for you, but us. You get that in your spirit? I, I help me, God, today. He didn't say... To you, he said to us, to those, plural, who are sanctified. That means you set aside for a unique task as a church. The church can't be uh, do what God wants it to do until all of us decide that we're going to live in light of our sanctification. I wish I had time right there. God, help me today. But, but, but position is not, a, but sanctification or sanctified here, even though it's positional, even though it's positional, and it's also an activity that you didn't do for yourself. You don't sanctify yourself. You don't consecrate yourself. It's a work done that God does to you, not that you do for him. Do you hear that? That's the sense of the word here. Who were sanctified. I like that. It was already done. Oh, see, my old mothers, if they was in here, they'd have ran around shouting with the, with the, with the thing around their Bible. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know nothing about that. But, but it's beautiful that they, they're set aside for a particular purpose. And that means that the church, each church has, a local church has a unifying purpose that God birthed it for. That's why we believe in church planting. Because we want to start ministries and start churches all around the globe that live in light of our sanctified purpose together. But really what Paul is doing is he's booby-trapping them. See, he's tricking them. See, um, what, he, what he's doing is he about to talk about how raggedy they are. He about to go in. You, you don't understand. From verse 10 to chapter 16, the last verse, my man goes in. I'm talking about, I'm talking about 
I'm talking about he went, he went postal on the people of God, right? I mean, but, but in chapter 1, he's talking about things about them. He's like, well, you, you know, you, you're sanctified. You're, you're his church. And so he's talking about their unique settings. But not only does God set us aside, we have to walk progressively in the fact that we've been set aside. Yeah. That means that when, when, you, when you trust Christ as Savior, you are as in position, you're fully mature. Practically, you and I are a mess. Let me say that again. I don't care how long you've been walking with God, you got issues. What's funny, oh, am I getting ahead of myself? No, I'm not. When Jesus comes back, when Jesus Christ comes back, all of us are still going to have mess that was undealt with. Ah, I am getting ahead of myself. Save that for later. Remind me. That's a good point. But, uh, uh, but he says, sanctified where? In Christ Jesus. So it's in Christ that we're set aside. Not in anyone, anything, or any place else. What makes the Christian unique is Jesus, not anything else. Let me just tell you that. Your hairdo don't make you unique. I know you did it ten times before you came out this morning. You know what I'm saying? Your shape-up don't make you unique. Your curvaceousness don't make you unique. Your six-packable don't make you unique. Your outfit don't make you unique. The thing that makes you unique, if I had some time, is Jesus and Jesus alone. Oh, God, you can have all your teeth taken out and replanted with white ones. It don't make you unique. Help me, God, today. But what makes us unique is Christ and Christ alone. And I'm so happy that I don't have to make myself special. I'm so happy that I don't have to make, because God deems me special because of Jesus. Because see, what he's trying to do in chapter 1, He's going to deal with so much mess with them is he has to motivate them to push through it. You know, every now and then my sons, they at the table eating, and they, and they, don't, they don't like the food, and I don't usually let them eat to the end. But what they'll do is I, me and my wife will say, let them have a little sip to encourage them to get through the meal. He goes, like that. And I say, a sip, not a gulp, a sip. There's a difference. Once you sip, stop. No, now, go back to eating. Why? Because you want him to finish what he needs to be nourished off of but be encouraged to keep on going. Chapter one's a sip for us. It's a sip. God, God's gonna give you a little sippable. You right here. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna give you a little sip, a little something, some cacao, hit you right there, and then move you forward. Amen. 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 So he said, now, now, now listen to what he says. He he goes together now. He he said it's sanctified. Now, this includes progressive sanctification, but functionally and exegetically here, it's really positional here. He's pointing to positional. He's going to deal with, because you need to know your position before you can be confident about your practice. Okay? And so, and so, and so that's why he's doing it. Now, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. So, so he says, yeah, 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 yeah. So he says, call together, call to be saints together. I like that. Listen, listen to the language. Called to be saints. Now, let me stop there. I, I want to move past it. But a saint is not a special person that did something great in their life that makes them worthy of a statue to be prayed to as a mediator between them and Christ. But a saint is every jacked up person that Christ saved. You can throw your rosary beads in the trash. I don't care how much you kiss the cross. That doesn't save you. That doesn't change you. I'm going to just tell you right now, everyone who trusts Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, as messy as you are, as trifling as you are, as in process as we are, we are saints. I like the way David calls us. David calls us holy ones. I'm a holy one? Wow. Now remember, he's setting us up right now. So let's shout. Because there's going to be some non-shouting sermons for about nine chapters, right? All right? You better get your shout on now. All right? And so he says, I like it. He said, call to be saints. Purpose. You hear that? Call to live in light of God's holiness. That's what a saint is. That looks at God's holiness and it motivates them to live like he is. 
okay? That, that's what it means to be a saint. That means that, that means that your life is frustrated being where it is, and you're saying, I, I, because of, I'm looking into the holiness of God, I am motivated by him being spotless. I'm motivated by him being without wrinkle. I'm motivated with his cleanliness to say that because Christ has made me clean, now I'm motivated to deal with the practical uncleanliness in my life. That, that's, that's, what, that's what a saint is. A saint, a saint is that type of person. So check it out. Check, 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 check what the text says. So, so, so he says, call to be saints. Am I going? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, call to be saints together with those in every place who call upon the name of the, our Lord Christ, both their Lord and ours. Second point. Just on the second point. We, all, we are called to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You should have clapped right there. Y- y'all not, see, you missed your shout moment. B- because we're called to live under the, not, not the Gentile lordship. See, the, see, kurios here usually was a word of authority. It, it's a word of endearment sometimes to someone you see, sir. But here, a, a kurios in the context of the Roman Empire was a, was, was, was a word that was used only of Ju- mainly of Julius Caesar's authority and majesty as the emperor of Rome. And so even though Greece is not Rome, it's a part of the Roman Empire, it's adopted into Rome. Because it's adopted into Rome, it relates to the lordship of Caesar based on its adoption. Are you hearing me right there? In other words, because earth ain't heaven, but Jesus Christ's lordship covers it, we submit to his lordship. Now, his lordship, his lordship is interesting. We don't hear Lord anymore. You know, we got the picture, Jesus is my buddy, and you got the Jesus statue going like that and carrying on. Because we want to minimize the lordiness of Jesus. Wish I had time to just talk about it. But, but, but he's Lord, like, do you understand? He's like Lord. That means he died to motivate you into submission. That means that you don't get to do what you want to do. Help me, God. Y'all miss that. That means you don't get to plan out your own life without him. That means you're under authority. You are not the authority. Well, I just think, you know, I, I, I don't know about that. You know, I, God, you know, I know the Bible says that, but, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. No, who cares about what you know? I like the way he says he's our Lord, not just your Lord. That means every, God, Jesus is just as much Lord of people that, he's the Lord of Lords. That's why he's, oh God, I, I don't know another way to say it. He's, he's all of our Lord, equally our Lord. So in being our Lord, that means that you and I have to have a life that's willing to say when it's confronted by his Lordship, you, you want him enough to say, God, I want out if you're not in it. Can I be real, real quick? I was wrestling with God this morning about some of my sin. And I said, God, I don't know why I'll do this sin knowing that you're my Lord. Can you help me to look at my sin in light of your Lordship? So can I like your, help me to love your Lordship so that my sin isn't as attractive? And help me to want to listen. I don't know why I'm so hard-headed in this area of my life, I'm really, really frustrated. But your lordship is not just you hovering over me, but your lordship is also the empowerment to deal with the issue that I'm struggling with. It's not just our lord, he's lord over our sin. (coughs) That's what makes him lord. That's why the Bible says, that one day everybody will be forced to call him Lord. The privilege we have is we get to call him Lord by choice. The Bible says, I'm getting ahead of myself. R.C. Sproul says it like this. He says, he says that Jesus is objectively the Lord is a common assertion of the New Testament. He is the imperial authority of the entire creation. I love imperial. That just seems so fly to me. He's imperial. I like that. He's an emperor of a kingdom that I'm a part of. Amen. Wish I had some help right there. 
He says, he says, his authority is cosmic in proportions. Haka, whoa, Lord help me. I almost said something. I almost went into another language right there. Pray for me, Pastor. I almost went there. Help me, God. Woo! I felt the Holy Ghost right there. He said, he said, he says, he says, but but the he said, but the creed confesses not only that he is Lord, but he is our Lord. At the heart of the Christian faith is the believer's personal submission to the authority of God's exalted king. Do you hear that? Oh, you missed your shouting moment. He's, he's the exalted king. Anyway, the confession is in itself meaningless, Jesus said, because he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy, Doc, in your name? Did not we drive out demons in your name? And now uh, we performed miracles. My God, today, in your name. And then Jesus is going to, in a hoopless voice, he's going to say, then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye doers of iniquity. But, but, but R.C. says after this, he says, to say Lord and mean all that it implies cannot be done apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Ain't that something? Ain't that something that, that the Spirit empowers us to his lordship? Yeah. Yeah. I got I to keep moving. Help me, God. Got to keep moving. I'm on this next point. In essence, there isn't a unique church. All of us are called to be unique. Yet many have differing emphasis, which we'll see in a second, which brings me to my next point. We are called to see evidences of God's grace in the midst of our mess. Now, what's interesting is that Paul, let me, let me read it. Let me, let me just read it. Look, look at verse 4. It says, I give thanks to God, to my God, always for you. Now, you got to understand, <clears throat> you, ever, you, ever, um, you ever been to a funeral where somebody was low down and dirty? I'm just being honest. And everybody kind of didn't like them in their life, but then they get up and act like they were even in good standing with them. Like, oh, I remember Bobby. Hi, man, we had great time. And you were just cussing in, in the back about how he owed you money and he had the nerve to die, right? <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So, y'all know I'm telling the truth up in this mug. And so, look. <clears throat> and so, but you got to find something good to say about him, right? What's interesting, right? What's interesting is the Corinthians messy, but what's interesting is that he found good because of the grace of God. No matter how, listen, listen, he said, he, he said, I'm thankful for you. Now, it's not going to sound like it for a while, but it's interesting. He said, I'm thankful for you. <coughs> then he says, because of the grace of God. Oh, that makes it really clear. Only the grace of God can shine brightly in the midst of messy people. Yeah. Let me tell you something. No matter how messy your life get, let me, let me tell you something. No matter how messy your life get, God is still up to something. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I, he said, y'all get on my nerves, but God is still up to something with you. You, you, you. you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been thankful to God? And you have you ever, God ever given you a picture of how messy your mess is? And, 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 and you see how messy your mess is, and then he does something good. And then you're like, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of, in the midst of me, how in the world is there grace available to me at this point? But what's interesting is he said, in the midst of your worst moment as a believer, there's still grace and evidences of grace in your life. Yeah. So Paul, that's, y'all should, oh, you missed your shouting moment. Because listen, when, I am thankful that my mess can't override the grace of God. I know y'all like, pastor, you say mess a lot because we got a lot of it. But I'm going to say grace a lot, too, because guess what? We got a lot of it. And, and, so, and so, so here, 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 here he's celebrating. Like, this dude is, like, celebrating. It's like Oscars right here. Like, you know what I'm saying? He says, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. He said, I ain't praising you for how talented you are. He said, I'm praising you that God is still active even though you're a mess. <laughs> 
he says that in every way you are enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge. Now, speech and knowledge, and then he goes down and he says, even as the testimony about you was confirmed, don't trust in Christ, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Let's stop right there. So the speech, so, so here the speech and knowledge point to how they were flowing into the, in the gifts. Now, I know some of my charismatic folk, you know, flow, you know, flowing in the gifts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, he goes down and he says, he talks about the fact that he says, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. That means the gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, 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 12, the gifts in Romans 12, and the person gifts, uh, uh, which, will be, which will make our gifting more clear in Ephesians 4, were all fully active in the Corinthian church. That means that they didn't have no prophets up in there prophet lying. You know what I'm saying? Like, as crazy as the Corinthians were, they had some gifted folk. So somebody wouldn't say, oh, is there anybody here that got money issues? I sent in the spirit. Ha, ha, since right now, somebody in this area has money issues. Now, I be doggone. You're going to hit that on the nail every time. You're going to find somebody got money. I ain't talking about no. I sense that someone's been to the doctor in the last two weeks, and it's 15,000 people in there. See, they had them type of prophecies in there. They were like spot-on kakakalki prophecies. Pastor Nyron, you're Jamaican, right? Yeah, boom, 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 and just walk your whole situation. And you're like, ah, oh, my God, I'm a minister. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Hey. See, that's what I'm talking about. When God walk up and down your street and tear you up prophetically. They, 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 I'm talking about that time. They had no missing, you know, um, yeah, you came from, man, I'm talking about, see, these dudes today, they general. I wish I had some help. I, I ain't trying to get to 1 Corinthians 12 yet. <laughs> Jeff, you're so stupid. Man, I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to tell you right now. I'm just telling y'all right now. Like, they, their gifting was monstrositous. But they were messy. They were real skilled. Discernment of spirits. Just to walk up on you and just tell you something. You just break down. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so it's beautiful here <coughs> that he said that this evidence of grace that, that, that what shows me is it's possible to be extremely spiritually gifted and at the same time extremely spiritually immature. Help me, God. Um, I'm still in the text. Uh, just we got to stop letting God's grace in people's gifting equal their spiritual maturity. Because God always, this is what makes it powerful, and this is scary too, God always uses us beyond where we are. But just because he uses us beyond where we are doesn't mean we're spiritually where we're being used is. Did you get that? And so, and so, and so, and so we, and so, 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 so what God does is this is a testament of his grace. And then he gives them the gospel. This has nothing to do with them. Check it out. He says in verse, uh, he says in verse 6, he says, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. I love that. That means you, you all are authentic Christians. You know what? The first, when you see a messy, a person that just don't, just be wilding out, that's, they call themselves a believer, the first thing you say is, I wonder, are they saved? But what's interesting about the book of Corinthians, we're going to go through, listen, we're going to talk about a dude that's with his dad's wife. We're going to talk about, you know, we're going we're to talk about all kinds of issues. People taking each other to court. The Bible says that we can judge. Some of these, only God can judge me, you know what I'm saying? Can't nobody judge me speaking to my life, you know what I'm saying? But 1 Corinthians 6 won't tell you that. The Bible is, we're going to also go through singleness and how you can maximize it. And he's going to jam the singles up to live in light of their calling and stop being depressed in your singleness and maximize it. That's what we're going to talk about later. I wish I had some time. I'd, re, I'd pre-preach it if I had time. Then, um, then he's going to tell the married folk, you better get it in and stop not having sex with your sexless marriage. It's in the Bible. I ain't make it up. Don't look at me funny, family. It's all up in the book. He's going to tell them, you've pressed the boundaries 
of what you can do and you keep getting bound. He's going to talk about what love is. He's going to talk about all kinds of stuff. <coughs> but what's powerful about it is he encourages them with their identity. Finally, I'm out of your way. He says, who will sustain us? Verse, uh, well, well, this, is, this is dope right here in verse 8. He said, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. How many of you know that, if G- that Jesus can come back any day? Oh, it ain't enough hands up. I'm going to ask that question one more time. How many of y'all know that Jesus can come back any day? Okay. In light of us knowing that Jesus can come back any day, do you know that when he comes back, that you won't be practically perfect? He just said that as messy as y'all are, if Jesus comes back soon, you'll be guiltless. Oh, you didn't, did you hear what he just said? Pastor Larry, did you hear? He said, if Christ comes back, we'll be guiltless. Yet, he doesn't use glorification as a lack of motivation to impact their sanctification. He uses glorification not as manipulation, but as motivation to implement practical and progressive sanctification. Do you hear me today? And, 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 and so what makes us motivated to deal with our sin is the empowerment power of the gospel. Because he is good and because he transforms, I'm out of your way, because he changes. Verse 9, I'm out of your way. God is faithful. Ain't that good? But whom you were called into fellowship with, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm dumbfounded by how many times the Lord shows up in there. But I want us today to look at this as a motivation because it's going to get real crusty and grimy for the rest of it. But what's beautiful is this syllabus here kind of helps us to recognize what he wants to be an overarching thought pattern as we go through every sector of the book to grow and to grow up. So I pray today uh, that we would be Christians who will be pressing towards the goal of the mark, the high call in Christ Jesus. Father God, we thank you and bless you for this time. For this time. We bless you for this time. Um, And we thank you that you give us the grace to grow up. And God, I pray that we would take what you're taking us through seriously. Help this not to just be you know, some type of just intellectual thrill, but help it to be so transferal and transference. Lord, maybe someone here today wants to trust Christ as Savior, (coughs) wants to put their confidence in the one who bore God's wrath on the cross. God has a contract on on all of our lives. When we were conceived in our mother's womb, all of us were conceived And a contract was written in heaven on our life that we would spend eternity separated from God. But what's beautiful is that the Bible says that Christ, in Revelation 13, 9, was slain before the foundations of the earth. So even though we came into existence with a contract on our life, God, by his grace, saves by his choosing power to bring people into a relationship with him based on our repentance from our sin and our faith, our confidence in who he is in Christ by allowing our sin to be on Christ on the cross. God pours out his wrath through the beating that Jesus took for our sin. Christ raised from the grave to declare that God accepted the sacrifice and that it was a victorious work on the cross that our sins were paid for. So now, in, even though he was slain in eternity, it was practiced in time, and then he sat you here just for the moment to hear the gospel so that you can believe the good news about coming into a relationship with him. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to come into a relationship with him. If you want to trust Christ as Savior, why don't you slip your hand in the air?